All right, here we go. This is Johnny and Eric kicking off the Common Law of Baseball podcast. It's the first recording. It is November 18th, 2019. And the offseason has begun. Nationals yeah, yeah. are, Nationals are the... Yes, the Nationals won. And, you know, accolades have been handed down. Free agency is, is on its way. And it's already Eric, started. For some people, hasn't it? I mean, didn't Will Smith already sign with the Braves? Listen, four big signings already. Yuli Gurriel signed to the Astros one year, eight point three million. All right. I don't so know was... how I feel about that amount, though. Well, that has to be uh, to avoid arbitration, right? Right. Okay. I mean, he probably deserves more than that on the open market, but he's not—he's not there yet. He hasn't served his time. And he does have an opt-out clause baked in at the end of 2020. Okay. But it's a one-year deal, so... I mean, this dude's old. I mean, he's older than you think. He's like... Uh, yeah, I believe he's entering his 36th year I mean, of age. He's got a, He's trying to work for that more money. I mean, you think after the home money home runs he hit last year, he would get more than that. But like I said, he, he hasn't been in the league as long, so they kind of go up in stages. Like, that's what I feel like... Actually, I don't know where the Yankees are going to go with Aaron Judge, but you know, Judge only made what six hundred thousand last year. I feel like they're going to give him a contract in his first year of arbitration. I wonder if it's going to be north or south of eight point three. It'll be interesting. I mean, my my initial thought would be, you know, depending on how he does twenty twenty, he he could be looking at a similar first kind of contract that Fregman got four years, a hundred million. I think mm-hmm. that that's fair enough for. Judge, if he if he, he has to get back to performing and kind of avoid injuries, though, to maintain that high amount and his age will factor in. But, I mean, his ceiling's high. So, you said there's three other big signings. I, I already spoiled one, Will Smith going. Yeah, you spoiled Will Smith. Um, he's three years, $39 million. All right. I mean, that, that's actually where I thought he would go, honestly. I think that's the move they wish that they made. And not to go too much into the trade deadline of it all, because it's been you know a few months now, and the season's already played out. But when the Giants were keeping players, but also selling at the same time, it made no sense to me. So they should have traded Will Smith probably at that deadline. And the team that needed him the most probably was a team like the Braves, and they go out and get him anyway here in the offseason. So it didn't help him in 2019, but I think it's a good move for them. They needed a back-end bullpen help for sure. Yeah, I, I think the Giants kind of spoiled a lot of situations for themselves by sitting on Madison Bumgarner and Will Smith, uh, two guys they probably could have seriously flipped for a return. And not to go off on too much of a tangent about that, but like, why are you trading Sam Dyson, one of your better relievers, as well as uh, Mark Melanson, who was ended up being the closer for the Braves? Why are you letting these pieces go if you were going to keep those two and try to compete for the playoffs? It made no sense to me. It was trying to have your cake and eat it, too. And it ultimately worked out how a lot of people thought it was going to. Yeah. You know, it seems like it was almost more of a dedication to Bruce Bochy, trying to give him a good team to go out on top on. But right. unfortunately, it didn't really pan out well. But um, they right, were you're also... Of, you're on top of this more than I am, because I actually don't even know the other two two signings off the top of my head. Did they stay well, on the same team, or did they move teams? They, they accepted qualifying offers. Okay. So we have two qualifying accepting. All right. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, both big, but, um, expected. Jose Abreu is the other one. He accepted a one-year, 
17.8 million qualifying offer, which I completely um, could see coming. I mean, I, I feel like he loves it there, and I feel like they love him. So I feel, I feel like mutual. he knows. I feel like he's been there, right? And he, he's been the older presence recently. I feel like he knows it's coming, right? Like the the breakout for the White Sox is coming. You got you get Kopak back a second year for Dylan Cease. They're going to be a better team this year. As they, you saw some other players break out, and I feel like he could have gone after a long-term deal here, but to accept that one year, I think he's like, I want to be here when the White Sox blow up and become this team that people that he thinks probably they could be. But I also don't necessarily want to sign a long-term deal here just in case it all goes not according to plan. So, yeah, I think it's inter- interesting that he didn't go after the full-time deal, especially when you think about how he's, he's 32 himself. Uh, but I'm I'm glad he's there because that's who I want to be there for when the White Sox do actually become a competitive team. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think um, especially with such a young group of guys coming up, I think a lot of those guys look to Jose Abreu, and I think front office probably knows that, and I think he knows that, and I think I think he definitely wants to be there if they can take off. And, you know, they're probably closer to taking off than people realize, mm-hmm. I, I would say. I mean, Eloy killed it down the stretch. He killed it. Yon Moncada really stepped up this year, and I think he's going to grow on that even more in 2020. Um, kind of becoming the guy they kind of thought he was going to be. Um, but they, you and know, Tim Anderson won a batting title. <laughs> so. He did. He did. Yeah. And he was he was injured for a while. Yeah, he he had a stretch there where he was out, but you know, he, he ended up beating out DJ Mayhew uh, for the batting title. Um, I mean, first I, half of the season, he was a good he was a good MVP uh, MVP candidate. First I mean, half. This is our first podcast. We should preface this that we're both in the same fantasy baseball league. When you think about Tim Anderson as a player, at least for me from fantasy, I mean, he's a guy who doesn't walk a lot. So the fact that he hit that high was very impressive. But it, 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 to me, there's probably some regression coming there from Tim Anderson. But, no, this is a White Sox team that's definitely on the rise. Uh, and it, it, I thought there was a chance. When I knew Abreu was a free agent. I'm like, are they going to lose Abreu right when they're on the cusp? But I'm glad he signed. I'm glad he stayed. Yeah, no, I had uh, I had Tim Anderson on my fantasy team for a while, and I ended up flipping him. There you go. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't who remember don't for who flip, though. though. You flipped everybody this past year. Yeah, I think you know what I think I traded him to Tony, big White Sox fan in our fantasy league. True, true. If, any, if anyone's gonna want Tim Anderson, it's Anderson got tickets. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the White Sox though that that is a squad that that they're gonna have to aggressively attack the pitching problem because they have one but, but they, they need but, some veterans in there i think yeah i feel like they might just need one right because I, I look at it like you have michael kopech you have dylan cease and then you have dane dunning coming off of tommy john surgery all guys who i think are going to be major league pitchers and then lucas giolito had a breakout season so i really think that ultimately you have a fifth place that you do need a pitcher but i, I think as a, a young pitching staff and that's not necessarily great because growing pains when you're trying to compete. But look, I actually really like their pitching staff. I'm with you. Maybe one veteran. Now, now listen about this couple options for veterans. They could potentially go after that. I think would cost a lot, but they're not going to be at the top end of the, uh, the money spectrum. What do you think? Rick Porcello is free agent. He's 31 years old. Yeah. Former Cy Young. Yeah. Yeah. He won, won a Cy Young award. Um, Look, the thing about Rick Porcello is he hasn't really – last year wasn't a good year. I feel like he's a guy who either has it or he doesn't in a season. 
Like he puts up numbers or he's just really bad. And last year was well, really I'll tell bad. You what, he's been he's been so durable. He just goes out and he produces. He's he's out there for innings. Even if the ERA, I think, fluctuates a little and it's kind of more, yeah, you're, you're right about it being year in, year out. He's still good for 200-plus innings. I think that's something a good veteran would bring to, especially no, on the White Sox rotation. Yeah, that, fit, that fits for me. I, I mean, I think that's interesting. I, it's not, like you said, uh, it's an affordable price probably for the White Sox compared to what is going to be out there. We'll get to those two big names uh, coming up. But, yeah, that's a cool, that's an interesting name. Frederick Alfred Porcello. Yeah. I mean, another another name, Martin Perez, 29 years old. He's a free agent. And I think with the other starting pitchers out there, he might get lost in the uh, lost in the pool. Well, this is the Common Law of Baseball podcast. Where we're, we're, we go so deep into the minutia of things. We're talking about Martin Perez. And look, yeah, he had an okay year last year, but... I don't know. I, I wouldn't look at him as an impact. He's like a good back end, but I, I think if you're looking for a, I think you pursue like a Zach Wheeler, don't you? Or a Cole Hamels. I mean, doesn't that make a little bit more sense if, if you're the White Sox to pursue an actual, like a bigger name in, in terms of like Martin Perez isn't going to be that vet. Like maybe he's more than I think, you know, he'll be like, Oh, I changed my cutters. This is how it's going. I'm what, this is how you change and, and adapt to major league baseball uh, hitting. But I, I think if you're the White Sox, you're targeting someone a little higher than that. Um, I, I definitely agree. But you got to get what you, you just, get. Or take right. What you get. And, you, and you definitely wonder about whether they're kind of ready to hit the stride and spend that money or, you know, because you're going to be subject to a bidding war. That's going to drive up the prices on these guys. Well, I think it's also an interesting question. Not, uh, and then, look, um, if anyone has listened to me before, uh, possibly on other podcasts and or on the radio uh, locally in Albany, which uh, shout out to people if you're listening from Albany. Uh, but I, I can go on some tangents sometimes. And the one that I want to get on about that is, is it, what's the market going to be like this year? Do we have a Keiko and Kimbrel that goes into the season? Uh, does, do the big names like Cole and Strasburg, which I don't, I don't, I, I think no is the answer to this question. Do they last deep into uh, February? Like, I, I think it's going to be quicker this year. Uh, but yeah. for someone like, uh, you're talking about bidding wars. Do you think that's going to be the case? Do you think that these things are going to go longer or or the, or the teams are not going to want to pay and, and go the opposite way? There's no bidding war. No one wants to pay anything for these guys. See, I, I think I think that could be a mixed bag because I believe that the top-end guys in this class, pitching-wise, are going to get exactly what they want money-wise. But now I think it's where that second tier, where I, I truly do think Dallas Keuchel falls, that kind of second tier where, you know, you still got good established veterans – that's probably where they're going to start. They're going to have to continue to fight like they did last season. And, you know, are they going to be willing to accept potentially a lower price where teams are kind of on the cusp? Do, do we want to pay a veteran or do we want to take a chance on a young guy in our own system? It's going to come down to that kind of cost analysis. Definitely. I mean, you're you're the law guy. I mean, we, we, we should probably uh, get to that fourth free agent soon, but we also should probably introduce exactly who we are. I mean, the common law of baseball. Well, I know I'm not the law part. So, well, you know, we're bringing a little jurisprudence, if you will, <laughs> jurisprudence. <laughs> to, to this sport that we love. Um, my name is John Guajado. I'm a third year law school uh, law student right now. Go to New York Law School and uh, just an avid baseball lover. And, and we're ready to tackle this head on. We just we can't get enough of this sport. We need to talk about it from every angle, and the yeah. offseason is a great time to start because the, the, the dust has settled. 
But I, do th- I think that shows how much we, we care about the sport because we're starting to talk when the game, when the season ended. Like that's, that's our first podcast is when the season's over. So I think that right. shows that we definitely care about what's going on with everything. And, um, and yeah, I mentioned earlier, I mean, I work in, I work in radio, so I'm kind of more of, um, well, I mean, I guess the, the common law of the, of, of the radio way, the more, I, I'm more trained in this than Johnny per se, but he's, he's a professional right now. He's owning this. And you got the fourth free agent out there. Um, apparently, that's signed. Yeah. Who is uh, it? I, I, I'm, let's I'm, bring I'm, him out. His name? Jake Odorizzi. I thought I saw he, something about him. He said he was he betting accepted, on himself. He accepted a qualifying offer for $17.8 million. And that's what the article meant by betting on himself. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, do you agree with that? Is, do you agree with that um, betting on himself? Do you do you agree with him doing that after which was probably a breakout year for him in a way, right? I mean, he had a pretty good year. Yeah, he he he, he trended downwards in the second half. I think he started out really hot though, but I, I think I think it was a good move because I think if he wants that top tier money, he, he needs to take this one year deal. Um, He's got to establish himself a little bit more, though. I think his numbers could use a little bit of work. Um, he also needs to. He, I think he needs. He he he's not an ace to me. No. So you really got to say. I, I don't know where he falls yet. Is he a solid two or is he more of a two, maybe three, depending on how deep the rotation is? I think this year taking a qualifying offer gives him a good season to really you know tell people either i'm a two or i'm really not a two but i mean that's up to him and i think i commend him for for taking yeah, the chance yeah like all i said like like i said for all intents and purposes it was a breakout season for him it was his second career lowest era uh, his lowest since 2015 with the Rays at 3.51 this year and right. and, and he he really upped the ante in terms of his k per nine uh which i thought was was, was impressive but when push came to shove, when you had that Yankees twin series in October, the only pitcher as a Yankee fan personally uh, that I was worried about was Jose Barrios. I mean, of course, the Yankees swept him, but Odorizzi was kind of nowhere to be found in terms of a big name pitcher and a big guy that we were, that anybody was afraid of going into the playoffs. So he did fade down the stretch, uh, but that doesn't mean he can't improve going into his uh, what would be his age 30 season. So, I, yeah, he's betting on himself and, and he'll have to have another good year if he's going to want to get that long term deal. I think it's more of uh, I don't think I was getting 17.8 annually um, before. I and I think that's more of the reason why he probably accepted the qualifying offer. Right. Right. He kind of wants to establish that you know that next pay raise. Yeah, let's get the, I'll, I'll take the money this year and hopefully it's good enough right. for me to raise my AAV going into my actual long term contract. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. I think that was probably a good a good logic behind his decision. I I also recall like. The qualifying offers weren't usually accepted. I mean, Colby Rasmus, I think, was like one of the first to ever accept it, and it was a huge deal. Um, so I, I think that you know teams are kind of uh, wary of who they give them to. Like the Yankees didn't even offer Didi Gregorius one because I feel like they were like, uh, basically, if by not offering one to Didi, you're basically saying we don't want him to accept it. You know? Yeah. And and also and- too. You also want to try to get those draft picks, the compensation picks, but also like there's risk reward. Like you could offer it to someone, you're like, oh, we don't, we don't want them to come back, but we also want the draft pick, and then they accept it, and you're, for lack of a better term, 
stuck with that player. Right. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. But um, back back to the to kind of what the Twins might do next, though. It, it's interesting to note they have one of the highest um, amounts of cap uh, between the luxury tax. So they're they're tenth right now. They have one hundred and fifteen million dollars of space before they hit the luxury tax. So I mean, they could potentially make some noise if they want that other rotation guy like it like they've kind of you know been rumored to want mm-hmm. which is interesting because now they take Odorizzi 17.8 really isn't going to set them back much they can still go out there and get a top dollar guy if they, if they want to because their their offense is, is kind of set right now I kind of like that offense right now um, well, do you um so that Nelson Cruz deal was a two-year deal, or was it a was it a one? I believe it was a two-year deal with an option. So a club option. So I'm assuming that um, it says it includes a $300,000 buyout, and it says exercised on Spotrack. Um, Let's find out. But I, yeah, so it's a one-year. So he'll be there. So he must there have exercised. Again. Yeah, he so exercised be, his option then. Yeah. So he, he'll be. He will be. He's sticking with Minnesota. Right. So yeah, that's that's another that's a good offense yet again. Um, that they'll have pretty much everybody returning from the success that they had last year offensively, and I'm with you that they definitely need to upgrade the pitcher. Uh, I know it's a, you know, like I said in our fantasy, uh, we're we're just saying fantasy league and in our fantasy group chat. There's there's a lot of, <laughs> uh, let's say, teaming up on the fact that they had Randy Dobnak, who I have to shout out, gave me two great starts in the fantasy playoffs. But he was still an Uber driver earlier in the year, right? So <laughs> they they really need, had to scrape the bottom of the barrel to to finish out the rotation. So a team that just won, or the manager just won manager of the year because of what he did with that squad, you got to get that one piece better. And I know that the Yankees and the other teams are also thinking that too. So I'm with you. They have to maybe be a, a dark horse team to go after one of those the top two, uh, Cole or, or Strasburg, or maybe they go with the guy that they were linked to during the season in, in Madison Bumgarner. We'll, we'll see. Okay. They've also been linked to Zach Wheeler. Okay. But do, do you think they just right now... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was yeah. my thought process. I don't know if you need one per se, but he would fit well there, I think. Yeah, that's and that's a very interesting division. There's a lot of teams that are young in the AL Central. Um, and yeah, then you have I, Indians who are old. They're kind of trying to figure out what they're doing. Here's how I view the Central. I think the Twins are the um, undisputed favorite. I think I, I agree. The, Indians, the Indians are trying to figure out whether they should be in it or not or sell Francisco Lindor because um, he's going to be a, a big-time, big-costing free agent after, I believe, this season. So they they have to decide whether they're going to go for it and keep Lindor throughout the whole year or Manny Machado him, and, and then I think you have the White Sox, the aforementioned team, uh, as the dark horse, and the Tigers and Royals aren't going to be competitive next year. I'm sorry, but they're just not. Right, they're not be right. They're, they're they're going through growing pains. Right. And and Eric brings, you know, if, if you're wondering at home, does Eric have a crystal ball? He might. <laughs> uh, for, for those at home that don't know, he is. You know, the New York Yankees of our fantasy team. He <laughs> dominates. And I'll tell you what, he knows a lot about player movement. He knows a lot about player performance. So if you're listening to this guy talk, 
he knows what he's talking about, and he's usually right. And it's annoying, well, but it's the truth. About, <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> usually right. Uh, uh, fact-checking myself on Lindor, he's arbitration eligible for two more seasons, including this year. So they Correct. have two more, year, two more years of control, technically. Um, so, so that's not quite the Machado type of a situation with them. But they're still going to have the – because, remember, they were shopping. They ended up trading Trevor Bauer so they could have enough money to keep Lindor? Or is he going to demand, I mean, Mookie Betts type money? And like, are they both going to be going after those three, yeah. three, 350 Like, they're both going to be up around that salary, I think. I mean, I can't imagine him not trying to go for the top dollar. He's, he's a top talent. And can the Indians afford that? I mean, they, they they knew they couldn't with Bauer, so they let him go. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't think that they are ready to spend that kind of money, especially with the age of their rotation. I don't I don't think they're ready to commit to a long-term deal when they know that they're going to go through some growing pains coming up in that year or two, I, I truly believe. Although they have Shane, Shane Bieber, who's young and dominant, and they have Mike Clevenger, and they, they have some some guys there. Yeah, Mike Clevenger's really, really good. And if Kluber comes back better than ever and Carlos Carrasco came down on, back down the stretch last year out of the bullpen, uh, can come back strong as well from from um, his disease or uh, setback, I mean, that's still one of the best rotations in baseball. And like I said, yeah. I, said I said they were trending down, but that could easily eat my words, and they could be dom- just as dominant as they were in 2018 uh, from the rotation uh, standpoint. So... But that is a team, the Indians. That is a team that needs outfield help. Mm. I mean, that has got to be a top priority in the offseason. Looking at how much kind of cap room they have to work with, they they have plenty of cap room to work with. It kind of depends on how much their ownership can really afford, I think. Right. Because they they have have to imagine, they wanted to keep Michael Brantley last year. They just probably looked at their book and said, look, we can't afford to do that. So – I don't know necessarily what they're – I think they're a big question mark, I guess. I'll leave it at that. They're a big question mark what they're going to do with the situation that is at hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you probably – like not, 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 not to continue on this too far, but like Lindor, that's a guy you invest in long term. I, mean, I know I'm talking about him possibly being a, a trade bait here, but are you willing to give him that much money? I mean, we can, we can, we can segue this into Mookie Best with the Red Sox situation that for J.D. Martinez opted in. But are you yeah. willing to spend that money on just that one player? Or, or are you as an organization going to say, I'd rather not spend it on one player and divide that up more uh, evenly? Uh, I mean, it's a great point. I think something that's important to note is that the trend with all these teams has seemed to become trade the top talent to the big market team that can afford it and get your picks in return, get your big guys, your, your next generation talent. That seems to have been um, the more attractive option for teams over the past few years. And, and a team worth noting, the Dodgers. They, they want Lindor, and they have the talent in the minor league system to get them. So we'll, we'll see what the Indians are really asking. They're probably going to be pretty right. greedy, especially with this season, with the two years of uh, control. But I, I think the Indians, you know, if they can get someone back that's ready to step up and not drop off too much talent wise, which the, I mean, they're gonna, but if they can get a Gavin Lux kind of talent right. out of that I mean, trade, I mean, if you're getting Gavin Lux in that deal, obviously you're right. asking for more than that, but I, I think you're, you're definitely considering it. Right. But we'll, we'll see. The Dodgers have want, been known to be stingy. 
Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I, I kind of teased it there. I mean, the Red Sox is Mookie Betts. I mean, when, when J.D. Martinez opts in, that really puts him in a, a bit of a pickle here with his situation because – Oh, definitely. He's – I mean, when Mike Shaw signed his deal, he was obviously coming off his MVP season. He just won a World Series. Uh, there was talks that he would want similar type of money as Mike Trout, which is a ridiculous amount of money, right? What was it, $425 million? He got over Something like that. 10 plus years. Uh, so, I mean, that's a little ridiculous. In fact, during the fact that JD opts in, you're going to have to pay a lot of money, and that's going to be luxury tax concerns. So, I guess you have one or two options you trade Mookie or you trade JD. I think the latter would be what most people, uh, I don't know, though, because JD's been really good in his two years with the, with the Red Sox. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, JD is a good guy. He, he's, he's getting there in age, but he, he gives you what you pay him. And it's Red Sox. You, you could. You really want to open up that DH position. Uh, Edwin Arcanacion's a free agent. You, you could slot him into there. Michael Chavis, what's his long-term spot for the Red Sox? Uh, maybe you move him to the designated hitter, even though he played a little second base. I look at him as more of a Mike Moustakis on second base uh, than you know, a Dustin Pedroia type uh, in terms of def- defense. So um, I, I think that they probably prefer to trade J.D., but what's his value on the trade market compared to Mookie? Probably not yeah. as much. I mean, who are the potential suitors for Mookie, though? I think a lot of people have been throwing around names, but it, it's it's unclear yeah. who really is going after him. It'd be I mean, it, obviously it has to be a team that's that can give him that money. I, I think the Braves right, are actually a team right. that people are talking about. I think the Braves are, are are a team that would you know right field is wide open. Nick Markakis has he's been definitely a, a very underrated piece of their success the last two seasons. Markakis, I know he was injured a lot this year, but he he put up some good numbers. But he's not that long term option in right field. I, I, I would put the Braves there. They got two cheap, cheap, I'm using little air quotes here, but relatively cheap deals for Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies. I mean, when you look at uh, what the, the, the numbers those guys are putting up and the deals they signed before last season, the Braves can afford a little bit more money for somebody, and they're also a bigger market team. I, I think that the team that has the prospects to get Mookie and, and are willing to pay him uh, accordingly could be the Atlanta Braves, and that might put them over the top in the National League. Yeah, and, and it's worth noting, the Braves have a lot of attractive young starting pitchers, which it appears is going to be a, a pretty obvious need of the Red Sox coming up in the next year or two, um, as some of their veterans kind of age out. And as we noted earlier, Rick Porcello, he's a free agent, so he's not going to be there. Nope. I, I don't see him resigning there either, so they're going to have yeah, that. Yeah, no. I don't think so either. I mean, no no, no way. Um, you're, but your boy in the back end of that bullpen, Brandon Workman. Uh, I mean, certified closer in my, in my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Red Sox definitely are in an interesting situation because you look at the opposite end of the spectrum, they gave Chris Sale a lot of money. They did. They so did. they really have themselves in a pickle right now, and, and that could set them back. I'm mean, not saying that they can't be competitive, but it could set them back for a little bit here. Right, uh, and especially with his re- recent injury woes, I think um, mm-hmm. the money they put into him is probably a little more concerning than they'd like it to be. Uh, and that, that, that I, I'm not really sure where they're at. I think that team is in flux right now. They have a lot of top talent. So if I think they'll be okay, out, though. though. Like if, they, if they're able to get an Ian Anderson, uh, who sh- shout out, he's a local product actually around here, up from uh, Clifton Park and went to Senator High School in uh, New York. Uh, but he's one of the best pitchers. He started this Futures game for them. He's put up crazy strikeout numbers in the minor leagues. He's a or hot commodity, in my opinion. And they were willing, according, according to somebody, I believe, on CBS.com, they were willing last season 
to to you to trade him. And obviously, it was going to take a lot yes. of, and make make a good player. But they were were willing to trade him. If you build something around him and, and maybe some other young guys, imagine that team in Atlanta: Acuna in center, and Mookie Betts out there in right. And I don't know if they're going to keep Donaldson for third base. If they don't. Uh, Austin Riley's there, and then of course you have the guy who's it should be in the MVP conversation every single year, but may never win it. And Freddie Freeman there at first base, so yeah. they're just a, a, a that would put them over the top, in my opinion. I think that that would be my favorite if they landed Mookie, honestly. Well, and it's important what you just said there. Uh, what could be a million dollar question is is what are the Braves going to do at third base? Because you can take a chance on a young guy like like Austin Riley who. He faded. He, can, he faded he down the guy, but he was not but he, good exactly a chunk. He and then you know, right? But Josh Donaldson, are they going to go after him? I mean, he played well there. I think if he's comfortable there, he's definitely a guy where if he's comfortable, you know, he's going to put up top numbers. They're not giving him a three-year deal, so if he's looking right. for that, he'll probably go elsewhere. Um, but look, a guy who's been signing one-year deals left and right, left and right, is Mike Mustakis. Mike Mustakis, yeah you know, where he's going to end up. I, I really don't know if he's going to be a guy that's like, all right, I've been taking one of your deals. Give me a long-term deal. Or is he going to continue to bet on himself, similar to what is he, and, and sign one year deal somewhere? And I, I look at the Braves as an option and, and, and to transition to another team maybe here. But I actually look at the Mets as an option. I know you, you're you looking for a place to really? play J.D. Davis. Yeah, because Todd Frazier's not coming back. You wouldn't think so, right? Right. And I know that they're looking for a spot to play J.D. Davis, but if you're the Mets right now, don't you want to add some good pieces? I, I feel like Moustakis would make a little sense there, but that, that's just my, my thought process on that. Because Bro- yeah, Brody was a, very aggressive last year. There's no reason or there's no like reason not to think he's not going to be aggressive this offseason. Well, you got to think, too, is well, they, they have Jed Lowry still coming back from injury. Uh, yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> so they, can, they might be able to move around. You know, Jeff McNeil, probably he might stick to third. That they're going to have Cano at second. It really all depends on what Cespedes is out there. And the Ahmed Rosario, I mean, they, I mean, the Mets, you know, they, they, they have some potential. Definitely. And another yeah, team in that same conference that showed interest in Moose recently on articles I have seen is yeah. the Philadelphia Phillies. Look, tie him, tie him to every single, he, he might be the replacement in Washington for Anthony Rendon. I mean, yeah. Tie him to every team in that division. The Marlins might go after him. So the, the the NL East is all over Michael Stockett. Yeah. But that's an actual report. For good um, reason. So, um, Michael Franco, yeah, the, I mean, I he's not, he to me, last year, he off to a hot start, but I just felt that Franco was basically done in Philly. Like, I, I feel like they've kind of had enough from there. So, yeah, yeah. I, I could see that. He's shown he's replaceable. Yeah, and I think he's not durable Kingery, for 162. Kingery start playing third down the stretch a little bit. I know. I know yeah, they had to but... they had to start mixing and matching. But I mentioned a player there, Anthony Rendon. That's a guy who's probably going to warrant a lot of money out there. I wonder where he. I ends wonder up. where he'll. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I I couldn't tell you right now. I think there's a lot of teams that have the cap space, but I personally, I, I have no clue where he could end up. I've. Brainstormed a little bit, and I thought about yeah, it. Let's hear it. Um, I, I thought San Francisco, even though they have Longoria on the contract, that's not their long-term option at third base. I think they're a team that goes out and spends on proven guys, and he seems like the perfect player that I feel like the Giants would go after for whatever reason in my mind. So 
I have not heard anything linking him to San Francisco, but that's a team that I think has a lot of money to spend, right? Well, so, that's that's so that's interesting you say that because I believe they do have a lot of money to spend. A team I was curious that might go after Mookie Betts was the, the San Francisco Giants. Okay, yeah, because they mean, need help in the outfield also. Yeah, they need help everywhere though because they're they they're 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 you know building right back up, so they have a lot of lot of holes. Definitely. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of me says I don't think Rendon's returning to Washington. I don't know why I'm thinking that, but that's just kind of where I'm at. Yeah, you know, as much as I want to think that, I think the Nationals didn't get Bryce Harper back, and it turned out to be, you know, it worked out great for them. But I, I'm pretty sure I'm, – I'm not sure that their ownership is going to look at – Anthony Rendon the same way. I think, you know, they could actually come out and end up paying his bill. Here's my thought process on this. And it's, look, Mike Rizzo, uh, that's our GM, right? Pretty sure. Yes. Um, he's done a good job with, with the construction that roster over the years. And he finally got the World Series. He should be commended for things that he did. But for the second straight year, this happened with Bryce Harper, too. We're in the middle of the season, actually right before the playoffs, late September, and we get this reported contract they offer him seven years, 210 to 215. And from what I understand, Bryce Harper's a different case, but they never changed their offer that they gave Bryce. I believe it was, was it 300? I don't know. I even forget what his was, but it was an in-season deal that they offered him, and that was all we heard. I don't know what, what the thought process is to do that in-season. I feel like I've only heard this linked to the Nationals. I mean... Uh, in recent memory of just like late in the year, just all of a sudden we hear this, this uh, they've offered him a deal. Um, but to me, that, that seems to be their one price. Like, that's it. Like, once, once you hear that, that that's what they're going to offer. And maybe if they lose Strasburg, they off it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I, think he's, I think Rendon's going to get a 10-year deal, and I think it will be uh, like around – to 75 maybe and i'm not sure the nationals and mike rizzo are are gonna uh feed up on that honestly yeah i mean and that's interesting i i'm, I'm not sure i'm a fan of the whole negotiating in season because really? I don't, why did that article or, come out and, and why would i that don't know be? i don't know i wonder if that was legitimate or more of a just a spoiler try to i think it was legit i think it was legit I mean, because I remember hearing people oh. commenting on it in the playoffs uh, during the broadcast about the offer that was given to him. I don't know. He's, he's represented by Scott Boris, uh, as a lot of players are. And right. he's he's out with a vengeance. I think it's going to be an interesting offseason because I think Scott Boris is out with a vengeance this year to get his guys the money. And obviously he wants to be efficient with it because it just does so it doesn't drag on for a second consecutive year. But I think he's kind of like got a fire lit under his his butt yeah. to, to make sure his clients get what they deserve this year. No, I, I, I totally agree. And and he's representing a ton of good guys. And one of the biggest guys he's representing segues perfectly into he's he represents Garrett Cole. Mm. Who's gonna be the top dollar guy. Yes. And I think it's going to be the Angels. I think Joe Madden knows what it takes to win. He's gone to the World Series with two different teams. He's won with one of them. He knows how to get the most out of it, out of his guys, and he knows going into the situation. I think that the Angels need pitching. They've been lacking for years, and I think I, I think he's going to make it known. He's going to push, and I think they're gonna they're gonna go get 
care Cole. They want to win. Mike Trout wants to win. Yeah. Because that was probably a concern during his contract negotiations. He probably said, hey, I want to be here. I want to be an angel for life, but but I want a chance at the postseason. Definitely. And uh, I think that's the consensus. I'm right there with you. That's the team that I would pick for him to go to the Angels. A lot of people I've talked to have thought the same thing. Um, and this guy is from Newport Beach, California. He went to school at the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA, better known as. Uh, he chose to go to college over the Yankees, even though he was right a Yankee fan. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's this thought process on that, and I know the Yankees are probably going to do their due diligence and, and try everything they can to get him. Um, but I think Los Angeles is the team. I'm with, right there with you. And uh, I think that the team that has the money and needs him more than anyone is the Angels, which is why I think I'm kind of default going to them because they need him the most. And maybe maybe Joe Madden will finally be the difference maker of why someone actually chooses to go there. Right. Um, because they I, really I think it, it's, it's also yeah. tough to talk about Garrett Cole because, you know, we talk about these other giants that want to sign him, you know, the Yankees, whoever the else. But 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 he, <laughs> but he, you know, there seems to be a lot of links to the Angels. Yes. And but another, well, go on. Yeah. Well, I I feel like it seems to be the obvious choice, and, and sometimes that does happen. But I remember 2008, there 2008 2009 off season. I mean, I thought CC for sure. Everyone thought, and, and, and for me, you know, a uh, young high school kid, but I thought this guy has got ties to, to California. He, he's from out there. I thought for sure he was going to go out to the West Coast. And a lot of people thought that about CC, and he ended up signing with the Yankees. Right. Yeah, cool. um, apparently, and CC has his own podcast. Uh, of course, I'm glad you're listening to this one instead, but. You know, he's even said he's had conversations with Garrett Cole about playing in New York. So there's a lot of connections with the Yankees with Cole. Uh, they drafted him, like I said, and he was grew up a Yankee fan, and he's talking to certain players there. I wouldn't, you know, count out, count out Cashman here. And and while I prefer Strasburg personally as a Yankee fan, even though Garrett Cole is clearly the best pitcher in baseball right now. Um, right. I mean, obviously, I have a, a bit of a this is a guy I really was rooting against the last few months. So I'm not necessarily sure I want him to be on my team, but I do know if we do sign him, it'd be fantastic because he's the best pitcher in baseball. Um, absolutely incredible. Uh, Caper nine this year. Uh, but I, I think there's a good chance that he could be swayed. I don't think this is a done deal. I'm, I'm going home to LA. I think that he's definitely right. uh, with open ears, no matter who gives him a, a shot. I think the Yankees um, definitely drum up a lot of interest for him. Although I think they can definitely be restricted by, whether they're really willing to dig deep into going over the luxury tax. Um, yep. Right right now, they're hovering right below it, right below it. So the, the, they really don't have too much room to work with. And I know they've said, they've come out and said, yeah, we don't mind going over the luxury tax. But, I mean, if, if you're going to go out and sign this guy, you know, you're going to go way above that. Yeah. Um, and then you got to think about, you know, you're trying to re-sign some of the younger guys in the future, like Aaron Trudge and other guys like that. So, um as much as I want to believe that they could get him, I just I I, I wonder realistically that they this, would be able to. This is the off that. season, though. Mm-hmm. You have no excuse if you're Brian Cashman, and I, you right. live in, you live in the New York area enough to listen. If you do, to I'm sure uh, you know WFAN and 98.7, and I'm sure every single call about the Yankees or just every other call is Cashman need to get pitching. Cashman need to get 
Uh, Verlander, he did it. He needed to get Cole when he was available. He didn't. He, they, he needed to go out and, and sign Patrick Corbin last year. He didn't. It, that is forever going to be Yankee fan and Yankee caller uh, perspective. And this year, you have Garrett Cole, you have Steven Strasburg sitting right there. If you don't end up with one of those, you are never going to hear the end of it if you're, if you're the Yankees, if you're anybody involved with the Yankees, especially Brian Cashman. And I think that that will be um, possibly the beginning of the end if they don't land one of these guys and they don't win in the next two seasons. They yeah. can still win without him. They can still win without Strasburg. But if you don't win in the next two seasons and you don't get either one, and of course there might be some other guy you bring in, and maybe he, maybe Zach Wheeler is brought in, he turns into the next level pitcher. But if, if it doesn't work out, this could be the beginning of the end for Brian Cashman, which is why I think they do get one of them. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And not to get hung up on what could have been, but last year, you know, I think the Yankees might be haunted a little bit about the fact that they really had Patrick Corbin ready to go, and it came came down to a couple of million, and they ended up losing him to the Nationals, who was signed for a slightly higher uh, number. And I think, you know, looking back on that, the Yankees are probably kicking themselves, saying, you know, maybe we should have been a little more ready to go well, and really I, go get I, our guy. I have a, a bit of a rant about that, actually, personally, as, as a Yankee fan. Um, and I respect that opinion about Corbin, but he didn't. He played. He pitched well out of the bullpen. I'll give you that. Game seven, he was huge. His one start against the Astros in the World Series. It's a rare opportunity to see what he would have been for the Yankees in a possible game four. He he didn't pitch great, right? He only let up four runs, I believe, and and he lost he the did, game. He did. Um, right. And so I'm actually more mad that the Yankees just kind of decided we're only going to have three stars going into the playoffs. I mean, I guess if you have Corbin, that's not even a thing. You have four, you know, you, you have Seve, Paxton. Or is it Paxton? You get Paxton over Corbin. I don't know. But uh, if you have those four, you're probably starting a four. But, like, you also signed Jay Happ, and, and he pitched. He had a, a tremendous ERA in September. But you started you, – you, you went with the opener. And the difference in that baseball game was Chad Green letting up a three-run home run and Yuli Gurriel in the first inning. Right. So uh, I don't know, but I, I I understand that argument, but also too I kind of look at it and say, look, Patrick Corbin in his one start, great out of the bullpen, but his one start against the Astros wasn't that difference maker. Would that have been the difference? I'm not entirely sure. Well, I'll I'll tell you what, I, it's I'm not gonna convict a guy based on postseason performance because Clayton Kershaw has shown he he oh, is yeah. spotty in the playoffs, but I'll take Clayton Kershaw on my team ten out of ten times. Because that guy is a but performer. But what's Corbin to you? A two I think Corbin. I think Corbin. He's. I think it depends on the season. I'd probably put him at a two right now. I think he's in his prime. I put him at a two. That's fair. All right. James Paxton or Patrick Corbin? I think I would go Patrick Corbin. I like Paxton personally. I don't know if there's bias there at all, but uh, you know, it's good. It's good debate. It's good debate. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I'd have to look into the numbers on uh, Paxton. <laughs> well, I'm looking at Patrick Corbin's. As long as this isn't the first or last podcast, we'll have plenty of other options uh, <laughs> to, to weigh in on that. <laughs> and uh, you know, a good thing to touch up on is ranking these new managers. Who, okay. Yeah. Who? What? What new managers are coming in hot? Which ones are coming in low? There's going to be some top performers. There's going to be some not so hot performers. That, that's how, the reality. How do you want to do this? Do you want to do a 
you know, okay, this is we we can either get wild, or we could do we could do just a, a a ranking of our top five each. Keep in mind the Pirates haven't announced uh, hired a manager yet, right? But which option do you you want to get wild, or do you want or do well, you well, what are we doing if we're getting wild? If we're getting wild, I say I see it. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I see seven and I see an eighth. Okay, so we don't know who the Pirates manager is, which which right. kind of hurts this right now. We get wild. We do a draft right now where we draft uh, the managers, uh, the new managers, and whoever has the best record wins the draft. Wow. You know, I mean, it has a lot to do with I talent, kinda, too. You know, like, like you're not idea. drafting Mike Matheny. You, even if you think Mike Matheny was a better hire, so like the rankings might be better in terms of who we think is a good hire. Because obviously you're 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 taking Beltron no, because the the Royals uh, the Mets roster is better than the Royals, but it's also interesting to see if we can do that. Yeah, no, I or think uh, no, let's let's do both. Let's do both. Okay. So we're gonna be we're gonna be drafting. So we're ultimately gonna have four and four. Yep. Okay. But uh, but first, I guess let's do, let's say who do you think was the best hire out of all these guys? <sighs> I, I truly think the best hire was Joe Madden. Hmm. I, I think, think a lot of people feel if, Joe Girardi was, but I think uh, I think Joe Madden is. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to have such a successful track record, mm-hmm. and you're you're taking that guy and you're putting him on another team with a lot of good players, and he knows how to work a team. I, I think he really does. Um, and I think the other managers, there's some youth out there. Uh, Joe Girardi, great guy, great manager. He took a break, though. He, he hasn't been managing a professional team uh, in a couple of years. Right. So, I mean. On MLB Network. Yeah. Yeah, he's been on. He's, he's been watching. He's but, watching. You know. uh, it's interesting because when you have to answer this question, who is the best hire, it really comes down to who has the best history, right? That's right. what it seems like. You're going against, it's really the best history out of all these. Um, actually, you have one World Series apiece between Girardi, Madden, and uh, and that's it, right? Uh, David Ross has a ring as a player. As a player. Um, as Matheny, does Carlos. Matheny might have one on the as a bench coach, right, because of LaRusso was in 2011. Uh, but he has an appearance in 2013. Uh, obviously, might have a ring as a player. Yeah, with probably with the Red Sox or Philly. Oh, yeah. Um, Beltron definitely has one this last year with the uh, oh, 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jace Tingler, not a not a name I was very familiar with. Jace Tingler, yeah, never. No, nah, I know it's <laughs> interesting because the the Padres are a good young team. You think they want to get someone who is more established, but it's interesting. well, you think they'd go get the Joe Madden? You think right. they'd get the Joe Madden? So I wonder about that, Jace Tingler. I don't know. I don't know too much about him. Jace Tingler. Um, yeah, he's got the greatest name. He, he previously uh, served as the Major League Player Development Field Coordinator and Assistant General Manager for the Texas Rangers. He okay. played college baseball at Yeah, he's played Missouri. the pros, but not Major League level. He's never played in the Major Leagues, which I think he joined. Never. Mike Schilt, I don't think, played either, and there may be probably a couple others um, that that applies to. It's an interesting one, like you just said. Like that's a team that I look at and I said that's a team that's probably on the rise soon. Um, they got good pitching prospects. Fernando Tatis yeah. probably was and the best rookie this season when he was on the field. Sorry, yeah. fans, but um, and I mean, I'll tell you what. I think I think you can make or break your team right now if if you bring in a first year manager like that. Um, 
I think that's dicey, personally. I'm going to agree with you that Joe Madden is the best hire. And okay. I think I, I'll have to say that Jace Tingler is the quote-unquote worst hire because of that. Um, but also, too, I, I hate to just knock it because it's different. And I, I like what the Mets did with Carlos Beltran. Um, and it, it's a similar situation. They, they could have gotten someone that was uh, that had experience. The same thing with the Cubs, with David Ross. But those are two more well-known guys. Those are... World Series champions, like we said, we had you know Carlos Beltran, one of the, one of the best players of his um, of his generation, or when he was in the league. So those are a little bit better names as opposed to Tingler, who we don't really know anything about. So I think by default, I would say Tingler, and I think the only other option right now is obviously we don't know the Pirates, but the only other option would be Gabe Kapler because I feel like he See, was the weird hire from the Giants. That, that's who that's who I would probably say currently is the worst hire, Gabe Kapler. And why is that? Is it because he? he I think he showed career? that he was he he managed the Phillies. He was he's shown he's been a little spotty on game management and bullpen management. Yep. Um, and I mean, you got to be thinking to yourself: you're taking a guy from the Phillies, moving him to the Giants. The roster is going to take a hit talent-wise. So, you know, he really couldn't get it done with that kind of roster. I mean, how's he gonna how's he gonna do it with the Giants? He's losing Madison Bumgarner. He lost Will Smith, so that team's going to have a lot of fighting to do. And, I mean, in that division, I would be absolutely shocked if they finished above 500. Yeah, I I agree with you Um, because we don't know who they're going to get. But, like, yeah, Gay Calvary was a weird hire to me because of that because he was, like, an unconventional guy there. And is he a a tiger that's not going to change his stripes or is he going to adapt? Yeah, uh, and, and say, look, I didn't work out in Philly, you know, and that, the things I was doing there really got, I lost my job because of it. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's interesting to note though, too, is could he just be, um, I don't know how to say it. Could he just be a temporary hire? Just kind of move them through the next two seasons of rebuilding. And then they kind of yeah. go for a veteran manager. Like once the team's kind of ready to go, then you kind of kick him to the curb and, you know, you get that playoff resume manager in yeah, in the right it, it, it's funny because um it, it always seemed to me that the uh, manager of the white Sox, uh, rick Renteria, he was the manager of the cubs before madden took over and then they won the world series and i felt right. like that was gonna be the same type of thing when, when, when the white Sox hired him i'd be like oh they're probably gonna fire him right before they get good now he's still the manager of the white Sox, and hopefully right. he's able to stick there uh and, and be successful with them but there, there is probably that kind of thinking. I think that's a good point uh, that they're probably thinking, look, we're not going to be able to keep up with the Dodgers in that division and the up-and-coming Padres possibly here. And, right. Uh, the I Dodgers mean, the Rockies are still loaded. Right. The Rockies also, you know, they're, they're hit and miss sometimes. But I mean, that's a team. They, I mean, you talk about the Rockies, just not to get off track, but that's just yeah. a team that hasn't figured out pitching in that stadium. And they need to. They, it's, they, so, it's not easy. It's hard. It's uh, not easy. John Gray is one of the weirdest pitchers, man. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think you put him in a different. You, oh yeah. I mean, he's good at home, actually. <laughs> you know. It's. I mean, it's 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 tough to be good at home. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like he was actually good in uh, at Colorado, and and I believe he was worse on the road. Uh, but those two pitchers, John Gray and Herman Marquez, I think were actually really good pitchers. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just hard to pitch there. But also too, they have one of the best offenses every year because they get to play there. So it's, it's a, it's a balance. 
And I think the Rockies are a good team to bring up because I feel like a couple of years ago, years ago, uh, they hired Bud Black, and that was a guy who was established. He had, you know, he had managed right. the Padres before, and they ended up making the playoffs. I believe was it two seasons in a row they made the playoffs. I think it yeah. was. And yeah. so that's an interesting one where you're like, okay, that was a team that was on the brink, and they bring in Bud Black and make the playoffs two out of the first three years. And that's where you look at the teams that, that signed the veterans, including the the, the Royals there. Um, that you say, okay, that's that's what you want here. But who are the other veterans that were out there, right? Clint Hurdle, um, the guy from uh, Brad Ausmus. I'm not sure. Um, and no, Buck Walters name always seems to come up. I, I don't know if those were the right guys, but I think last, uh, how we should wrap this up uh, in terms of the manager talk, Beltran or Ross, which they're both got ties to both teams that they, they got hired to. Ross recently played for these guys, while Beltran probably has nobody that's there and right. the team was played there. Uh, but what, which one do you like better? Do you and 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 specifically, Beltron is he going to be a puppet uh, for for the front office there and Brody Van Wagner? Yeah, I mean, that's got to be a big worry. Uh, it seems like Brody, excellent GM, knows what he's trying to do, but at the same time, you know, he he might be a control freak. He wants a little too much power. Um, I do think he's going to, especially there. I think he's definitely going to have some some control over Beltran. I don't think similar to what he had over Mickey Calloway in terms of, you know, sitting on the couch at home, telling him what to do pitching wise, but I think he'll still have some, some pretty obvious control. So I'd probably say David Ross. Um, He spent more time with this team, a group of veterans that are on this team. He knows the team a little better. Um, I think just coming off, having one as a player and having been with those players, I think he knows what might have to be done for them to kind of get to that next level. Um, but they're both young, so I, I really don't know. I don't know how David Ross is going to be as manager. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I like the Ross one a little bit more because of the aforementioned, like, he won the World Series with them in 2016. He knows a lot of those young players. But also, too, like, I believe, didn't Theo Epstein kind of, like, say that <laughs> anyone can be traded? So I guess that doesn't necessarily uh, mean yeah. that all the players are going to be there. But I, I, like, I like the the connection that he has in terms of that. But I actually was good with the Beltran move. I mean, he, he had a good rapport with that 2017 team that should not be named at, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I'm still steaming. Uh, no, but, uh, and he, he was a big part of that team. I don't know if you remember that funeral uh, that they threw for his glove as a joke. There was a lot of good camaraderie there. And the, the part of being a manager is going to be being able to make those moves um, in terms of, uh, the bullpen, and that, that was, still remains to be seen of how he's going to uh, adjust there right. with that. But um, I like the camaraderie he had as a, a player, even back in his days with the Yankees as a leader, and that's what you look for in a manager. So I do like the Beltran one too. But I guess if I had to choose, it would be David Ross just because of pre-existing relationships, and there's absolutely no kind of talk of somebody having controlling him. And just the fact that that's still out there for the Mets isn't a great look. Okay. So should we shoot right into the manager draft? Yeah. Close let's, this let's, out? Let, let's, let, let's wrap up our first podcast here with the manager draft. And, yeah, um, let's do it. How do you want to figure out who goes first? You want me to do a flip a coin? You got a coin ready? It? Yeah, the coin's right next to me. It's translated right. well over uh, audio. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll see. All right, ready? <laughs> Call it heads or tail. All right, heads. It is tails. All right, so do you want a first pick or the snake 2-3? I will take the 
Snake 2-3. Ooh, interesting. Okay, so I think I'll talk it out a little bit here. I think I have to go with – and we, like, like I mentioned at the top here, it could be tough because um, it's all about drafting – we're also factoring in rosters here. Right, because so we're probably, going for the best overall record. Right, so we're going for the best overall record, unless you have a better way of saying who should win. Um, oh, you know what we could do? We could potentially score it based upon um, 2019 to 2020 win differential. Ooh, so like a Rocco Baldelli effect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, Cody would love that. Um, yeah. Shout out to Cody Marshall. Craziest yeah. man I, I've never met. You haven't met him. That's true. The only person I've met him. Look, you're going to hear a lot about our fantasy baseball league or a decent amount on this podcast. So. And you're going to want to, guys. Yeah, you're going to want to. It's, it's fun. It's spicy. We should probably least. create a Twitter page for, for – uh, Yeah, we should. For our fantasy baseball rosters. league. Put out the yeah, rosters. Just put out the rosters draft. on there. Updates idea. Of, of what's going on in the league. Like, that would be cool. We'd have them follow that. We'll, we'll, we'll get you updates on that later in the podcast. But uh, before we do this draft, I'm at EricH1045 on Twitter at the moment. I don't know Johnny's – I currently do not have a Twitter handle. Do you have anything where you want someone to reach out to you? Because now that we're putting this out in the universe, there should be a way that people can get in contact with you, man. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I will make a Twitter you don't have to make a Twitter, for this, but, um, for, this I, for this podcast. I set up a common law of baseball Gmail account. So it's common law of baseball at gmail.com. Should we translate that into a Twitter account? Should we get a Twitter handle for it? We definitely can. We definitely can. Well, then, if we do that, that that will be. I will put that as my Twitter handle. There you for go. All the awesome. viewers. Awesome. All right. So I have the first pick here. It's now we're officially doing it a little bit different here. So I have to pull up the records from last year to, to see where these teams can go. Correct. I think that's a fantastic job by you, John. That's the law brain that you bring to this podcast. I mean, I'm just trying to add something here. I mean, you're the whiz. You know everything. I, I gotta I just try. I guess we should give context that I've uh, won three championships in seven years and uh, won this past I, season. And uh, yeah, I, it's no one's beaten Eric in fantasy. <laughs> it's a law. I mean, no, people have beaten. Let's, me. That's let's consider. Let's consider that the first, the first commandment. What? what? <laughs> Eric is supreme. All right. <laughs> all right. Well. well <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see about that. This is actually a fantastic idea because this adds a lot more strategy into it. Right, because I mean, now now we have a little situation here. Okay. Oh man, because now we're thinking about who's going to have a big turnaround. Correct. Look at the Cubs; they won 84 games last year. So it's whether you think they can get back to that 100 win team that they were. That's a big 16 points there. But if you also think that the Padres are going to be a playoff team next year, you could say, look, Tingler may not be the best choice, or I might not know a lot about him. But he might still go up fifteen to sixteen as well, right? Oh, okay. a, lot of, so, a lot of teams here have room to move. Yeah, definitely, and that's probably why they fired their managers. Uh, Correct. They feel like they can get better. That's usually what you do. All right, I will make the pick here. I am going to go. And this has a lot to do with, um, and it seems to be the chalk pick probably uh, for most people listening. It's probably like, ah, oh, you're probably going to go here, and I'm going to do it, and that kind of. Uh, it's contingent on whether they end up pulling off what we talked about earlier in the podcast. I'm going to go the Angels. See, if, if they land Garrett Cole, it helped me a little bit better. I think it's perfect to do it now because we don't necessarily know who's going to be there. Uh, and this kind of more reflects on the managers, I guess. 
Um, but I'm going to go Joe Madden because I, I think that uh, that's an Angels team that I think will compete for the playoffs next year. They have to eventually, right? I mean, I, I agree. I, I think that's an obvious choice. And, and 72 wins in 2019, there, there's plenty of room to, to uh, go up. And they were they were decent last year. I remember thinking that you know the, the, that the, the rotation wasn't good, but Griffin Canning uh, looked decent at times, and Andrew Heaney went healthy is a is a pretty darn good pitcher. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go with with uh, Joe Madden. I think he 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 can do humans work out there. So I I took uh, your boy Madden the first pick, and now you get to pick two in a row. Well, now I got two in a row. And remember, remember, we have a wild card out there, and no idea who the Pirates are hiring. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, I think Carlos Beltran's probably going to drop down several rungs on the ladder based on he's got to compete with 86 wins. Um, I, I really don't see the Mets really putting out more than that 2020. Maybe they get to 90 on a good year. Um, so, I mean, I think right now I'm probably looking at um, – who is it? I would like to draft Joe Girardi as my interesting first. Okay. Yeah. 81 and 81. I think Joe Girardi that would can probably definitely be the, Yeah. And, and that'd probably be chalk one, too, in terms of uh, we talked about it earlier. The top two we were talking about were those two. So yeah. it kind of makes sense that they would go one, two. Um, for the snake, I got the third also. And. I mean, this this it's not this easy. is tough. This is tough because it's like I think I'm I'm stuck between you think Jace Tingler and um, David Ross, who can get the most it, out of that club. Interesting, because it's also interesting to think the next level, like the 4D chess about it. Of all right, the Royals are pretty bad last year. They only won 59 games. If I take Mike Matheny, and they're still a terrible team with like 70, they're still under 500 at like 78 wins. But if they improve like that, that's a big difference for Matheny. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. I'll tell you what, I think. There's I think no indication I, that's going to happen, though. So. My, my, my official third pick, second round pick, third overall, is going to be Jace Tingler. That's, a, that's yeah. It's nice. And that I was nothing about him, but. There's a lot of ways to go up there. And, and like right. we talked about it earlier. The Padres are a team that I think is on the rise. Tatis was injured for a lot of the season. Uh, there's some prospects that might get a chance this year. Uh, Mackenzie mm-hmm. Gore. So, and I think the most, the most attractive part of that is probably the fact that the Arizona is going to take a hit. Giants are going to take a hit. And Colorado doesn't really have a uh, starting rotation right now. So, Jason, Arizona's interesting. I, I believe I thought in they you. would take a hit this year, and they still I thought they would, too. Over 500, so. Right. All right, so I get four and five right now. And Correct. David Ross was right there with you uh, on that last one, so I'm just going to go ahead and take David Ross uh, because I think okay. this is a team that can get right back to 100 wins again. They have the talent. Hugh Darvish was really good down the stretch last year. Uh, and I think Jose Quintana was a little bit unlucky as well. Um, and in, teams of, in terms of a team willing to spend some money, it could be the Cubs as well. So um, I'm going to go with David Ross because I think that there's a chance he, they, they get to the high 90s more than the Mets at 86 wins from last year. I don't necessarily know if they're going to get. Like, right. If, they get, if the Cubs get 100 wins next year, that's a 16-point differential. If the Mets do, it's a 14, and I'm more confident that the Cubs get to 100. That's basically right. I, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think I might go a little off board here, and I got to quickly look at where the Pirates are sitting before I make this pick. <sighs> I mean, I'm going to go 
what <laughs> that's where i was looking i was hoping yeah. you would glaze over it yeah i i, I mean are the Pirates going to be better next year? That's that's the real question. I don't, I don't know, but they're already <laughs> at the bottom. I think it's going to be probably another bottom feeder year, but all they have to do is, I mean, I tell you what, that is a tough division. It that is. is a tough division. So I am going to end up stuck with somebody, and I'm, I think going, to, I'm going to risk it. I hope I get stuck with the person that I want to get stuck with. Okay. And so that's why I'm going to go with the Pirates TBT. I'm betting, I'm betting on my man, yeah. Ben, ben Sherrington, the, who is the new general manager of the Pirates, to pick a really good manager for the Pirates. Okay. And that's who I'm taking. Okay. Pirates I'm, TBT I'm betting on, at the third if, round. When we, listen, when we listen back to this, I'm betting on Ben Sherrington. All right? That's who I'm betting on. Okay? I'm betting the on Ben. The manager is irrelevant. It's Ben Sherrington. All right, all right. Maybe is there another Big Ben in the city of Pittsburgh? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. His career might be over. <laughs> Very true. Hey, man, I think he's got another year, probably coming back. Yeah. Anyway, sure. you got the last two picks because I guess the default last guy. You get the, all right. You have so, Beltron, Matheny, and Gabe Kapler. Yeah. So I think um, an obvious one that I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with is Mike Matheny. He's gonna be my third. My third round pick. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. A lot of a lot of room to move there. I think a lot of good pieces on that team. They they can maybe shoot up to five hundred on a good year. Would you take that bet again this year between the the Marlins and Royals? <laughs> it's a better record. Um, I think that I the would, Royals. Are, I would. Basically, I'm, I guess I'm more asking you. Do you think that they'll have? I mean, obviously, by taking Matheny here, you, you do. You think they're going to have uh, a, a better win total? I think. I do. I, I think the the Royals can probably push it up to. They had fifty nine wins. They could probably push it up to maybe seventy seventy five if if they can. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a tough division. I think, I think I'm really betting on them to push it up to sixty nine wins. I think it depends on if they bring up Brady Singer this year or not. That's what I'll say. Yeah. If they I, push some other younger kids, I think that they could be better. But I'm they also, also might, hey, we we don't know. They might be active in the free agency market. All right. Yeah. So. Good pick. No, that's, a good pick. That, that, that's the guy I was hoping to get stuck with. So that, yeah. the guy that he was the first off here, I'm disappointed. But now I know who I want my last one. Um. So for my last pick, who 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 do we have left? We have Bellatron and Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler. I'm. Oh, I mean that is rough. <laughs> I gotta figure the Mets are, are realistically probably gonna give you a zeroed out win total. I really think eighty six is probably a good spot for them again. Because that is a rough division. Are we going negative on this too, or is it just Yeah, well, I mean we're we're taking negatives. If, we're if taking negatives. worse, yeah. Dang. All right. So the win totals might come out to one to zero. <laughs> it could be negative to negative. Yeah. The higher negative. I think I think for my last pick I'm gonna ride with Carlos Beltran. Cool. No, I'm, I like that pick because I mentioned that. Look, if I had I had Rendon, I I, I like me getting you know I like me getting Gabe Kapler as to clarify. Um, I'll let you talk about yeah. Baltimore for a second here after I just mentioned this. Like I think the Giants could get some big time names. Like I mentioned that I think Rendon's a chance. So if they spend the money, I don't see why not they could be a uh, over 500 next year. So things can change with the off season. Yeah. 
Um, I'm very excited about Beltran. You know, he, he he's coming in. He gets the two-time back-to-back Cy Young winner in Jacob deGrom. Something that's also noteworthy, he also gets Noah Syndergaard, who has reportedly, you know, he, he was in the trade discussion to go to Houston, and they didn't even want to trade him to Houston, the Mets, because they were afraid that they were going to get a lot out of him. Now, hey, they have a guy from Houston coming to the Mets. Maybe he can put in that work, get advanced analytics on him, bring Thor to the next level. Um. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. Cause like he's in. Cause the... I mean, offensively, it's probably I really don't see much difference offensively. I mean, I think I, I they were good offensively. I think they'll probably be good offensively again. It's really more just how much can he get out of their rotation. Yeah, and we'll probably talk more about the Mets coming up. Uh, and other podcasts as well as other teams. There's, if we didn't get to your favorite team, we will eventually. There's a, so much baseball to go around the offseason. So much. We're really starting, and once some shoes start to drop here, I mean, we didn't even talk about the Oakland Athletics, so I think could actually win the right. West next year. That's my bold wow. prediction, actually, that I think that the AOS couldn't be won by a team not called the Astros. Um, that's a team well, right t- there. That's a I'll team right there. I'll tell you what. We have a, we have a lot of time in the offseason. We have months. I mean, I think we could potentially do um, a breakdown of each team on a single episode and just do one team an episode. Uh, yeah, definitely. And then you can subscribe on on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. I believe it's on Apple Apple Podcasts. No, iTunes does not exist anymore. Do you know that, Johnny? But it doesn't. Apple, yeah, it doesn't exist. Apple Podcasts does. does. Uh, and subscribe wow. on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate that. And, uh, and I appreciate uh, you guys listening to the first episode. I'm yeah. glad we did this, Johnny. This is going to be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Do we have a creative way to sign off? L- let's just let's just be so unprofessional and just <laughs> just have a, th- a thought thought process on the air right now. Do we have? Are we going to have a significant way to end this? It's the common law of baseball. Do we have? <sighs> do we have like a law thing, like uh, jurisprudence? Thing, what rhymes with that that we could end, end it? Uh, do we say the jury has spoken or the jury is still out? Let us know what you think. See you next time. Ooh. I, I kind of like that. <laughs> uh, I might have to think about that one coming come hot for uh, the second episode. All right, cool. So that'll do it for us. Uh, Johnny, I'm probably never going to say your name because I don't necessarily know how to say it. My last name? Yeah. Great, great way, great little teaching moment. Inguajado, if you think about it lightly, you could say Manny Machado in that same sort of, spelled completely differently, but uh, if we're using our knack, Inguajado. Inguajado. There you go. You're you're saying Chado with a J. It's more where where the Ds are in Machado. Yeah, the CH is a G, and the other D is a G. So, you know, Inguajado. So here we go. For Johnny Inguajado, I'm Eric Hedman. We're signing off. This is the Common Law of Baseball podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Woohoo!